Welcome to Thinking Ahead, your leading edge insights podcast. Each episode reveals the latest insights on today's consumers and offers a sneak peek of tomorrow's marketplace. Stop guessing what's next and start thinking ahead. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Thinking Ahead, a GFK Insights podcast. I'm Hannah Leiter, your host. For today's episode, we are taking another look at the Consumer Pulse study. Now, for a reminder, or for those of you who have not heard the episodes on the study before, it is an ongoing research study that has been tracking consumer behaviors and attitudes on life in a pandemic since March of 2020. So that is the beginning of when it was declared a pandemic. I'm talking about COVID-19. And that was over a year ago already. Joining me today is Stacey Barrick, Managing Director of Consumer Insights at GFK. We have a lot of information today about the quote-unquote new normal. Are we tired of hearing that phrase yet? Well, hopefully not, because we have some really cool new insights on that. And we are also talking about an all-new segment that's been added to the Consumer Pulse study, looking at consumers in the perspective of vaccinated versus non-vaccinated. Yes, that is a segment that the study can do on the consumers. We also touch a little bit about the mighty impact of Generation Z. Welcome, Stacey. Thank you, Hannah. Great to be here. I I don't know if I ever shared this with you. Did you know that the last episode that you appeared on, which was the first Consumer Pulse study episode, is actually our most downloaded episode and people still download it to this day? Wow, that's great to know. (laughs) Yeah, so pressure's on. We're here for new information. Lots of people have already heard the first episode you were on. All right. Well, we do have lots and lots of rich information. I have a feeling we're only going to be able to touch on a a tiny piece of what's in the study uh, in the amount of time we have. Right. Absolutely. Well, with that, I really want to start off with just some information. I know with this newest wave, you had a new release come out with some of the findings, and those results showed that overall concerns for health and the economy has gone down throughout the last year. However, over half of Americans still say that they want to be cautious about things when they continue to reopen. Uh, Can you give us a little more specifics about these most recent results? Yes, absolutely. Um, I think you're right on the the first point that people are starting to feel much more optimistic about the future, which is terrific. Um, The vaccines have have made people more confident that they will have opportunities to get out and about, but they are taking their time and making sure that um, they can move forward without backsliding. So as you mentioned, we've been doing this pulse study for um, over a year now. And since last June, we've been asking people to tell us how they fall on a scale from, I can't wait to get out there and do all the things I miss, to I'm going to be cautious about going back out there. And the amount of people who fall on that cautious side of the scale has consistently beat out the eager to get outside by a ratio of three to one. And so even now, as the vaccines are rolling out across the country, that proportion of cautious people hasn't really gone down. And in fact, you know, somewhat counterintuitively, some of the vaccinated people are expressing more caution than those who haven't been vaccinated. I mean, I do think people are afraid of additional waves and backsliding when they are so close to seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. And, you know, two thirds are really fearful that lifting restrictions and mandates too quickly could result in another wave of of cases. 
Um, so I think that while the people believe that the vaccine is certainly going to help them return to a normal life, um, they also think that it's necessary for everyone to just take a couple of, of necessary steps to, to stay isolated or to um, protect themselves um, in the next few weeks to months. Stacey, you touched a lot about there, about the people who are being cautious. However, with this new phrase, the new normal, the study also showed that there was a number of people who responded that they felt that their lives never changed. Is that true? Yeah, it is true. And and I have to say that figure was a little surprising to us, given how much the lives of so many people have changed so dramatically over the past year or so. Um, but we did find a sizable now minority of people, 17%, who say they've been living normally through the entire pandemic. Um, we tried to unpack that a little bit by digging into them. And we found they tended to be um, in that 51 to 65 age group, so about a quarter of them, compared to only a small proportion of the younger age group. Um, they were more likely to be from smaller towns or villages and not have children at home. So when you think about it, um, they are from areas where there were less disruptions than what you saw in some of the urban centers or with kids having to stay home from schools and with people who are not necessarily working having their job disruptions. So, you know, there are things that were more likely to be remaining normal in their lives compared to some other people. You know, it's funny, I was actually reading up a little bit about all of this before the episode, and I heard this incredible story where there was uh, this guy who had actually been going out. He did this big camping excursion where he lived on the land and was completely cut off from civilization. And he had been out there almost the whole year of 2020. And then he came back in December and had no idea that anything had happened. And he was just living his life out there the whole time. Wow. So there are some people out, out like that. I didn't I didn't realize they used to joke that the people who were out in space were going to come back to this completely different world and not know what had happened. But there was certainly enough communication to forewarn them. Yeah, it, it's interesting when you just hear those special cases. Well, the study also has been tracking changes in leisure time activities and hobbies, which is a little fun. What were the biggest findings there in terms of people changing hobbies, picking new ones up, maybe, you know, letting go of some that were just too hard to keep up during the pandemic? Yeah, people have certainly been keeping busy during their time at home. Um, you know, we certainly we've talked before about some of the digital changes, you know, lots of streaming, lots of video gaming, lots of social media usage. Um, but people really also took advantage of this additional time to work on their personal skills and hobbies. So we saw a lot of experimentation on whether it be guitar playing, woodworking, um, learning a new language, all different things that people were trying to do um, on top of the very real experimentation that was going on in the kitchen. Um, we had about a quarter who told us they learned to cook new recipes during the pandemic, and many of those recipes are now going to be part of their standard repertoire. Um, and we had similar numbers who started a new hobby or learned a new skill. Um, and when you look at your youngest generation, your Gen Z, um, over a third of them said they started a new hobby during the pandemic. So um, certainly taking advantage of, you know, some unexpected time to do something a little bit different. Mm. The study 
really goes quite granular, granular in some areas. When I was reading up on the release, and if you're confused on this release I'm talking about, I am going to link it in the show notes for you all so you can read all these facts also. But uh, it even went so granular to show how many people changed their hair color during lockdowns. What are some other fun facts like this one that you can share? Sure. So on the hair color front, um, you know, 12% of Americans in general and 20% of Gen Z changed their hair color or their style during the past year. Um, so kind of shook some things up there. Um, also, we had one in 20 who took up woodworking during the pandemic. So just some some interesting different things that people tried to do while they were home. Lots of DIY. I know that. I definitely did a little bit of the DIY. Oh yeah, well the DIY that 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 side of it of the equation is is much larger. There was a ton of that going on, a ton of gardening as well. Um, a lot of houses got fixed up. I mean, if you were actually somebody who decided you didn't want to do it yourself, but you wanted to hire a contractor, good luck finding one um, during the pandemic. Um, at first, it was because you know contractors didn't want to go into people's homes or, or people didn't want them there. Then and when they got past that point and felt comfortable with masking, um, they couldn't find contractors because they were just super busy. And I know the same is, is true for some of the other service providers, such as gardening um, and other areas as well. Right. And of course, everyone's just sitting at home with nothing to do but stare at their walls. And then they decide that they don't like the color of their walls or they don't like the way that shelf looks. So, yeah, that was pretty fun to see what everybody was doing. Yes. Well, and, 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 you know, what they also took a look at in many cases and looked at and said, you know, I don't always like myself. So you did see um, some fitness, you know, um, real, real new fitness routines coming in, people um, being more active, telling us they, they lost some weight. Now, of course, on the flip side, we had some people who gained some weight um, with a lot of those recipes that they were cooking and the bread baking. But you did have um, some time for contemplation and, and really changing some things um, over the last uh, 14 months or so. Yeah, it would be really interesting to see. It, I'm thinking about YouTube, and I know a lot of people who would start doing YouTube workouts and just to see how many new videos or accounts were created during those first few months because of that. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, and you think of, of some of the companies and how they've adapted to the, the new business models. I mean, Peloton is certainly a good example of that, of changing their model to allow for even more options and lower cost options for people who didn't have the the appropriate equipment but um, there were a lot of advantages that people found in, in having, in some cases, you know, free and open access to, to things that might have been behind a, a paywall before. Um, but companies really working to come up with, with at-home alternatives or, or at least outside alternatives for things that people were doing in gyms beforehand. Right. Is that something that people want to stick around, they want to keep doing things at home, they don't see as much of a need to go to the gym? Or is that one of those people who cannot wait to get out, cannot wait to get to the gym? <laughs> I think you're going to have both. I think and I think that's really a theme for so many different things is that, you know, the word hybrid is going to be used um, for 
every area in people's lives, whether it's work or leisure or wellness, um, you know, and certainly I would think the gym will fall in that. I mean, there, there are certainly convenience aspects that people did not even recognize that they needed until they had them in terms of, of being able to work out at home as opposed to driving to a gym. Um, so I think that there's going to be um, a certain sense of, of people wanting to, to take the best of both worlds. So some of the things that they did during the pandemic, they're going to want to keep. And then there are other things they're going to be really eager to do. And I think part of it ends up being, you know, how much of an experiential aspect is it to be out in public again? Is it something that really feels special and unique, like a concert or a Broadway show, or, you know, meeting a bunch of friends to lift together in the gym, um, as opposed to something that might be, you know, more efficient and um, utilitarian to take care of in, at home. So I think, that, you know, people are going to be balancing those aspects. And I think it's going to be the, the best experiences that get people out and the things that, you know, are easily replicated at home and can be done alone that will stay there. Well, shifting gears a little bit, I want to talk about this new segment that you were able to add to the consumer pulse study for this wave. And that was looking at the consumers for those who were vaccinated versus those who were not. So just overall, what were the biggest findings between these two groups? Sure. So we focused on the under 65 population for this. And essentially, we wanted to look at as the vaccine was being rolled out, how vaccinated people differed from those who had not yet been vaccinated in both their attitudes and behaviors in order to help, you know, clients anticipate behavioral changes in the, in the next few months. Um, beyond that, we also wanted to understand the differences between the non-vaccinated who were eager to get the vaccine, but just weren't either part of the qualifying groups yet or couldn't get an appointment, as opposed to those who might be more resistant or concerned about the vaccine safety. Um, so before getting into the attitudinal and behavioral differences, it was really interesting to see how much more dramatically the vaccinated had been impacted by the pandemic than those who had not yet been vaccinated. So for instance, you know, nearly three quarters of the vaccinated either had COVID themselves or personally knew someone who had it compared to less than half of the non-vaccinated. Um, in, in another sort of area, there were more likely to have lost employment. So a quarter of all of the vaccinated and over a third of the employed vaccinated lost their jobs due to COVID. Um, and that's much higher than the 11 and 20% respectively of the non-vaccinated. So you're starting to see a pattern of a group that was more likely to be impacted. Um, those who didn't lose their job, they also had, you know, double the proportion among the vaccinated than the non-vaccinated who were furloughed. Um, and a larger proportion who had their work hours reduced. And even when it came to their residence, you had over a third of the vaccinated actually change their residence because it was closed or not safe or they were no longer required to be there for their job. So really having, you know, a lot of disruptions in their life um, that really made them kind of raising their hands to be first in line. And some of that is, you know, part of, of the jobs that they had. So you think about who the vaccine was rolled out 
to first, it was rolled out to the frontline workers um, and the essential workers who needed to be out there. Um, and in fact, many of the people who were vaccinated have a workplace that they are required to be at. So that was really important for them. But, you know, when you start to, to look at the composition, you see these were people who were really impacted. Yeah, I think intuitively, it also makes sense that if you wanted to get vaccinated or get accessibility, obviously there was a higher need, but also maybe a bigger urgency because your life was so highly impacted and you had more, you know, it was a way to get back to normal versus sitting and doing the same things you were doing before. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, you know, when it, when it comes to that normal question of sort of what, what is normal and when does one feel normal, um, which is something we looked at, um, you know, the vaccinated people are starting to feel like their life is getting back to normal now, you know, in the last few weeks, the last couple of months, um, as opposed to some people, you know, as we said earlier, who felt like they were, were normal all along, you definitely have more people in the non-vaccinated, and particularly in the group that is more resistant to vaccinated, that say that they've been feeling normal for a longer period of time, if not the whole pandemic. You ask a series of different questions. What was the biggest polarizing difference in attitudes between the two specifically? Well, I think the vaccinated in general tend to be more optimistic. You know, they're optimistic about the future. Um, they're optimistic about the future, of, you know, whether it's financially, so the economy. Um, they are more trusting of institutions. Um, so, you know, le whether it be business leaders or government leaders, um, in direct contrast, of course, to the ones who are, are most resistant to getting vaccinated. So not, you know, not just all of the non-vaccinated, but particularly that subgroup of, of non-vaccinated who say they are skeptical about, um, you know, the vaccine itself. So, you know, you, there, you see this optimism, but despite that, the vaccinated actually express more caution than the non-vaccinated about rushing back out in the world. And they are the most supportive of continued mask restrictions and social distancing. So, you know, they, they feel like life will get back to normal, but they are willing and kind of even encouraging people to be cautious and to continue to take protective um, steps. So, you know, as they start to go to new places, and many of them are starting to venture out and spend more time at public places that they hadn't been at for the past year or had limited their time, um, they are still trying to, you know, wear the mask, socially distance, and, and really have expectations that these public places will continue to um, police the behavior of, of people in there. Um, so they are expecting, you know, the world to be a little bit different when they go back out there in terms of um, making some continued sacrifices just for the longer term because they are so fearful of a backslide and having to go back um, home, you know, if, if the we don't reach the herd immunity point or if new variants continue to spread. Um, I think also the vaccinated expect a more transformed world and self moving forward. So, you know, they they want to go back out, but similar to what we were saying before, they, they're 
you know, really embracing this hybrid lifestyle. So they expect that they will still have some new habits related to cooking, um, home delivery, um, taking advantage of things like telemedicine, um, and, and a little bit more appreciation and value for their personal time uh, after this is all over. Is that Does that mean that the non-vaccinated are opposite? They don't have a lot of fear? They they also think it is what it is. Is there any sort of a root cause that you found for that? Well, I don't want to go so far as to say they are not cautious. Um, Remember, you know, we had a three to one difference of people saying they're cautious to those who are not cautious. And even among the non-vaccinated, you still have the lion's share leaning towards caution than, than fully going out. Um, so I think, you know, they, they, they are still more cautious about it, I think, and they're not ready to jump out there either. So, you know, when we asked them about whether they feel like they're living normally or not, you do have a group that says they're living normally. Um, but the group that's not living normally, when asked when they think they will be living normally, they actually have some pretty long time frames against that, like six months or longer. So I think it's, it's a little bit more of, of them either having life styles that are less outgoing to begin with. So when we looked at um, whether people had gone to public places um, and whether they had changed their their behavior about going to public places, the non-vaccinated group that's most resistant to getting vaccinated were also the people who said they were least likely to go to these places before the pandemic. So they just tend to live a quieter lifestyle in general and feel that they don't need to be rushing out and doing things um, and that they're going to wait and see um, you know, after other people get the vaccine, if they feel it's safe, um, or they even feel like their own immunity may carry them through. Yeah, that makes sense. The three to one ratio, I think, puts a lot in perspective, because of course, some people are in that special minority who didn't have their life was affected as much, but the majority of them are cautious because their lives have been affected. So that definitely puts it into perspective. In a rising trend that we've been doing in quite a few of the episodes now lately for Thinking Ahead is talking about Generation Z because they are the young generation who are coming into the adult world and they are just making a huge impact and made a big impact in the past year when it came to a lot of these social and environmental movements that happened. So what kind of findings did the Consumer Pulse study have specifically on this generation? Well, certainly when it comes to those issues that you just mentioned, such as racial inequality and protecting the environment, um, Gen Z is leading the charge um, along with their millennial big sisters and brothers, particularly on the climate change side. Um, But beyond transforming the world in general, this group did a very good job of transforming themselves during the pandemic. Um, You know, I talked a little bit earlier about some of the transformations that people did um, across all ages. But, you know, youth is a big time for experimentation and change. Um, And they did not let being stuck inside really cramp their styles. They still did those things that young people do. They experimented. They had their first jobs. They they experimented with starting and stopping relationships. Um, And they really did focus on, you know, learning new things. So, you know, new hobbies, new skills. 
Um, they, they gained and lost weight just along with, you know, the rest of the population. And one in six of them adopted a pet. So they, they took on, you know, additional responsibility. Um, so they were certainly busy. Um, it doesn't mean they were able to do all of the same things that other generations that were not, you know, stuck at, at home um, did. You know, we do know that some of the job issues that impacted um, the population disproportionately hurt some of the younger workers, um, made it harder for new graduates to find jobs, made it harder for them to move away from home. So certainly there were things that they were not able to do. Um, but there were things they were able to do as well. But I will say, you know, kind of on the, the negative side, this is a generation that experienced a lot of mental health challenges over the last year. Um, and three in 10 of them reported feeling stress or loneliness um, over that time frame, certainly higher than older generations. So um, they made as much as they could of a very difficult situation, but, you know, there were some, some mental struggles that may be, you know, lingering as we move into the future. I think that the media a lot highlighted two groups, and that was parents with young children who had to have their kids at home while they were working. And then it was kind of Generation Z, the people who were missing their prom, who were supposed to be in college, experiencing the classic college lifestyle and dorms, uh, things such as that. When Gen Z was in the study, did they consider themselves highly impacted? Or did most of them respond that way? Um, you know, there weren't so many questions to get at, at that for them, because a lot of the things that we captured with the older um, people were not as relevant for them. So, you know, we they weren't employed already so it was harder to say that they've lost their jobs so they don't they don't hit those numbers at the same level as some of the older folks because a lot of it is difficulty finding a job or or you know trouble to launch or some of those things as it relates to school um we certainly did capture that many of them needed to move so they moved for, um, you know, because a school dorm closed, they moved because if they did have a job that required them to live in a high um, rent area and they no longer needed to commute into the to the job, they wanted to live in a less expensive area. And many of them, you know, did have the option of moving back home or to less expensive communities. So, you know, those are some of the things we saw, but in terms of explicit questions about their overall impact, we don't have anything really that measured that exactly. How cautious are they with the reopening? Sure. So again, when you look at our, you know, three to three to three to one, you know, scale of the, the caution to the non-caution, they're slightly less likely than the older generation to be in that super cautious area. Um, but it doesn't put them in the, the anxious to get back outside either. They're more in the middle, more neutral in regards to going back out. Um, I think many of them think they need a couple more months before they're fully ready. Um, and it is worth noting that given their age and their general health, they are the least likely to already be vaccinated or at least fully vaccinating vaccinated. So it's not surprising they are holding back a little and waiting um, until they are further along in the vaccination process. Well, 
for our last segment here, Stacey, I want to bring this back to the business world because we've talked a lot about attitudes and behaviors, but of course, what can a brand do about that? So in the last episode that you were on, I'm going to quote you. You said, necessity is the mother of invention. Going forward, it's going to be more important than ever for businesses to focus on listening to their consumers' needs and suggestions. Thinking back to when we recorded that episode and now thinking ahead, do you think that your statement rang through? And do you think that there's going to continue to be pandemic-inspired innovations even as the pandemic itself continues to slow? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm very proud of what businesses do, did and very impressed with them. I think we saw some really interesting innovation and, and adaptation going on during the pandemic for products, and I'd say especially for services. Um, and it wasn't that they had to adapt once. They had to adapt kind of multiple times along the way as the situation changed. New rules came into place. Rules were relaxed. Um, we had, I think, a, a an opportunity in the summer to do things a little bit differently. We had to scale back again. And, and businesses, you know, really did their part to make things easier for consumers during that time period. And I would say many people, and myself included, are going to leave the pandemic behind with new things as part of their permanent repertoire that they adopted during this time period. Um, you know, I started to talk about this earlier, but there's a lot of indication that post-pandemic, many consumers will live a more hybrid lifestyle as it comes to everything from health to work to um, leisure. And the companies will really need to help them navigate. And I think it's we're still writing what that story is going to be. So I think, you know, the hybrid workplace, many companies are not going back to full um, strength and expecting all employees to come back at all or expecting those employees who come back to be there every day. Um, and people are going to need to think about how to work with that world of, you know, we've, we've all lived in the completely in the office environment if we were office workers. Um, we've lived now in the working from home if we had that luxury. Um, what is life going to be like in the hybrid world? And what are some of the things that businesses can do to support that back and forth lifestyle? I mean, certainly portability um, becomes a, a bigger um, issue for, for people as they, they try to navigate that flexibility, um, really critical. I mean, how does a small home remain a, a home, but also a place where you work some of the time or maybe even do school uh, some of the time. I mean, we've certainly heard that the snow days are going to be a thing of the past. And I know my, my son was really bitter about that this year when they still had school when it was snowing. Um, so, you know, parents are going to need to be able to be putting their, their school hubs back together, at least in, in, in inclement weather. So um, flexibility is going to be really key in helping, you know, the home remain a flexible place for people to be. Um, so I think those are things. I think the other is managing this pent-up demand for experiences. So I talked about the fact that people are really going to gravitate out for the experiential things that they can't fully replicate at home. 
Um, I don't know if you saw the news that Garth Brooks sold 50,000 tickets in 30 minutes for a show he's doing in Utah, which really set a record. Um, But you certainly have consumers who want to go out there and do these things, whether it be go to a restaurant and really have the whole you know, service experience, the fine dining experience, or even the corner bar experience that they cannot replicate at home. Um, so there's going to be a big demand for that, but they're not necessarily going to be willing to give up some of the, the positive things they got out of the, the pandemic time at home. So the intimacy of an unplugged virtual performance from their favorite um, musician or the convenience of curbside delivery for something that they don't really enjoy going and showrooming against and they just want to pick up quickly, Um, or the fun of cooking a new recipe as a family. So I do think there are going to be multiple opportunities for companies to Um, to change, to adapt for the different consumers. And then remembering what we said earlier, that people are going to be on different timeframes in terms of how quickly they're going back out there. So there are going to be some people who are still going to be at home for a much longer time, whether it's because they're cautious and they have been vaccinated, but they're not ready to go back out there, or whether it's because they're waiting and don't want to be vaccinated. Um, So they're going to have to continue to be paying attention to their particular uh, consumer base and where they are in that whole spectrum. So many good points there. I grew up in Minnesota, so the thought of no snow days, I would have been devastated as a child. So good luck to all the children who live in Minnesota and no longer get to have those snow days because it was the one of the only great things about living there during the winter. What are you going to personally take out of the pandemic? Well, you know, I mentioned something about animal adoptions, and I am certainly somebody who has my pandemic pooch. So um, I am, you know, a proud pandemic pooch owner, which means I have experimented with everything from mobile pet grooming to um, my new favorite chewy deliveries. Um, And certainly as I go back into the workplace and and start to navigate um, going back uh, in the office at least a few days a week, trying to figure out how to separate well from my pooch is going to be a real uh, real challenge. So, you know, that's been, you know, lots of changes in my life, but I would say that would be the one that's uh, most uh, long-lasting, although my family might say it's my Baby Yoda addiction. <laughs> What's the little guy's name? Baby Yoda is Grogu. No, my, my dog's name is, oh. is Josie. Um, she's a golden doodle, and she's very cute. Um, and we, are, we call her Velcro dog, but I think I might be the, the Velcro mom for her. Well, you know what? I happen to know that um, we both go to the New York City office sometimes, and I am happy to dog sit at any time. <laughs> I may take you up on that. Thank you so much again, Stacy, for being on today. Uh, I did mention in the very beginning of the episode that there was a release done on this study with a few charts and a few facts that are really fun to look at and pretty insightful. So I will make sure to link that into the show notes so that you guys can get a little more information about this study. I also suggest that you go to the Thinking Ahead homepage. You can find that in the description as well. And there you can look, there is a whole section for COVID-19 where you can see all of the episodes that we've done on it. And many of those episodes are 
from the Consumer Pulse study. So if you'd like more information on it or see maybe how things have changed since that first episode that Stacy was on, you can find those episodes there. Thank you again, Stacy. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Thinking Ahead. For more information on today's topic, you can click the link in the description. And please make sure to leave us a rating and review. Let us know what you like about the show. And of course, if you haven't done so already, hit that subscribe button to keep up to date on the latest insights. We'll see you next time so you can keep thinking ahead.